The following message was recorded at Shades Valley Community Church in Homewood, Alabama. For more information and resources from Shades Valley, please visit us at shadesvalley.org. So I do invite you to open your Bibles to Amos chapter 5. Um, on Sundays here at Shades Valley, if you've been with us, you know that we have currently been journeying through the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which has perfectly prepared us for this day, Ash Wednesday. I say that, I say that the Sermon on the Mount has prepared us because through the Sermon on the Mount we have seen over and over again what is at its heart, namely the righteousness of a transformed heart. That's, that's what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. What we've seen is that through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is calling us away from thinking that righteousness has only to do with external actions. And what he's showing us again and again, what he's revealing is that true righteousness has to do with transformed internal affections. In other words, we can go through all of the external actions we want to to make it look like we live for God, but if our hearts are void of any actual love for God, then then all of our actions mean nothing they're meaningless actions like having ashes applied to your forehead at actions like fasting during the season of lent even actions such as gathering for worship like we are right now all of these actions are meaningless if they're merely external so says the prophet amos that's why i had you turn there Look at Amos chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. This is what the Lord says through the prophet to the people about their external actions of worship. God says, I hate, I despise your feasts and take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs to the melody of your harps, I will not listen like in the strongest language possible god condemns what these people are doing he condemns their set aside seasons their feasts set aside seasons like our set aside season of lent he condemns their signs or their ritualistic actions that they go through signs like those of ashes and fasting not only that, but he, he condemns their gathered worship altogether. Like says, I won't even listen when you play your instruments and sing your songs, which is exactly what we are doing right now. And the question is, why? Why does God hate, despise all these seemingly good actions that his people are doing? We see why in verse 24. Look at it. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. God hates all of his people's seemingly good actions because they were merely actions. Completely divorced from, from transformed affections for God. True righteousness of a transformed heart did not flow out. Righteousness didn't flow out of their heart. Resulting in not only love for God, but love for others expressed through justice. 
This was obvious to anyone with eyes at this particular point in Israel's history. Israel was divided at this time, northern, southern kingdom, northern kingdom of Israel, southern kingdom of Judah. Amos is speaking to the northern kingdom of Israel, who from all external appearances were doing pretty well at this time, but in God's estimation were not because they were indulging in idolatry and injustice. Idolatry. If you look at the worship of the northern kingdom of Israel, it wasn't much different from their pagan neighbors. In other words, they're still doing all their festivals, their ritualistic actions. They're going through all of those things, but they're using those things basically like tools of magical manipulation. In other words, it's like, let's just do the right actions, go through the worship services, sing the songs, celebrate the seasons. Let's Let's do all of that, and that will guarantee God's blessing upon us, his favor upon us. We can use them to manipulate God. And we go through all of these actions, all the while perpetuating injustice. Like I said, the kingdom of Israel at this time, they, they were in a period of prosperity, wealth, But if you look closely what was going on, they were actually amassing this prosperity and wealth through the oppression of the poor and the powerless among them. So so get the full picture of what's happening right here. These people are, are lifting one hand in praise to God while simultaneously using the other to hold people's heads under the tide of their greed, drowning them in injustice. Not worshiping God. This is idolatry. This is injustice. No, no wonder God uses words like hate and despise to describe how he feels about this kind of unrighteous, this is not righteous worship, this is unrighteous worship. Thus, in verse 24, he calls for true righteousness that comes from a transformed heart that, that that like, like it comes forth like an ever-flowing stream, verse 24 says, resulting in, in a life that rolls down in waterfalls of justice that wash the land clean of injustice. God calls for external actions that flow from transformed internal affections. He calls for the righteousness of a transformed heart. Then and only then, Then and only then are our seasons and our signs and our gatherings actually able to be called worship. Then and only then, when all of this external action comes out of a true heart of affection for God, then and only then are these things meaningful and not meaningless. The prophet Amos and the Sermon on the Mount They both prepare us for days like today, and they prepare us in the same way because they both tell us that seasons like Lent, signs like ashes, and actions like fasting, they mean nothing unless they are the overflow of a heart full of authentic affections for God. So, tonight... I'm going to invite us, I'm going to invite us to enter a set-aside season. I'm going to invite us to go through these signs, these ritualistic actions of receiving ashes. I'm going to invite us to begin a fast, but I'm not inviting us to do any of that in order to appear externally righteous. And 
magically manipulate God. If, if you came tonight thinking that this will be, this will cash in a couple of good chips with God because I'm not just going to church on Sunday, I'm like there for Ash Wednesday. That's not what we are here to do. It's not why you're being invited into this. No, you are invited to enter this season to begin a fast, to receive these ashes out of a heart of affection for the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, first, I'd like to invite you to enter this season. I'd like to invite you to enter the season of Lent, which is a season of repentance. That's what Lent is at its heart. It's a 40-day season of repentance that is meant to prepare our hearts for Easter. It's meant to take us on a journey that leads us to the cross, through the cross, to the empty tomb. Lent is meant to lead us to Easter, and it does that through repentance. How? Repentance is seeing my sin, in, including the, the sin of, being, of, of embracing hypocritical external actions while being devoid of internal affections. Repentance is seeing my sin, and not just seeing my sin, but seeing what my sin deserves, what Scripture ultimately says is death. Seeing my sin seeing the death that it deserves, and repentance is turning from that sin to the one and only Savior who can save me both from the sin and the death that it deserves because he died for my sin and he rose to defeat the death that it would bring. Repentance, do you see what it does? It leads us to our Savior who died and rose again. Repentance leads us to the resurrected Savior. Repentance leads us to Easter. You see that. You're invited to enter into this season, the season of Lent, the season of repentance. Second, I want to invite you to begin a fast. Uh, Lent is not just a season of repentance, it's also a season of fasting. These things in Scripture often go together. So you're invited to begin a fast. Fasting, uh, at its heart, is the practice of removing something that's normally present in your life. Most commonly, it is food. It doesn't have to be. People fast from all sorts of different things. But, but the same concept is at the heart of each. You, you fast from something, you remove it from your life, and it leaves a void, a pain, a hunger. You miss it. You know it's not there. And, and as our body experiences that hunger, pain for food that has been removed, as it experiences that hunger, wanting its stomach to be satisfied, we are reminded that the only thing that can truly satisfy our deepest hunger, the hunger of our souls, is not anything, any food, any habit, any possession. It's not anything this world has to offer. The only thing that can truly satisfy the hunger of our souls is Christ. Because Christ died and rose again so that we might forever feast souls might feast upon him his beauty his goodness his greatness his glory fasting reminds us that we can only be satisfied by the resurrected savior who died and rose again for your soul to feast forever you see fasting leads you to the resurrected savior it leads you to easter you're invited to begin a fast. Third and final, I invite you 
tonight to receive these ashes. Ash Wednesday, this is how we start the journey of Lent. We do so because ashes are in and of themselves a symbol of repentance. When you come forward tonight to receive the ashes, you're going to hear these words spoken to you. From dust you came, like these ashes. God, Genesis, formed man out of the dust. From dust you came, and to dust you shall return. Spoiler alert, that's how all of our stories end. From dust you came, to dust you shall return. These words, they're meant to remind us that the penalty of sin is death. We must return to dust. As Christians, we don't skirt around the issue of death. We look at it in the face. These ashes remind us of sin's penalty that we must return to dust. So they remind us that we need to repent. Turn from our sin to our Savior. And that's why when you come forward, you will hear more than just the words, from dust you came and to dust you shall return. That phrase will be followed by this instruction. So repent and believe the gospel. that Your sin and the death it deserved have been defeated. Get, get this. The ashes remind us of sin and its penalty turning to dust. But we use them to make the sign of the cross. The sign, the symbol that reminds us of the good news that our Savior has defeated sin and death. We we use the very sign of our deserved death to make the very sign that our death is defeated. It is a beautiful picture of the gospel. Our God, who's conquered and defeated death and brings forth life out of it. It's it's a beautiful reminder that repentance is meant to lead us to the cross, through it, to the empty tomb, where our fasting is finally and fully turned into feasting. So tonight, by coming up here to receive these ashes, you're saying that you believe that gospel. That, the, that your death, your doomed dust, has been conquered by the cross of, of Christ. So you're invited to receive these ashes, to begin a fast, to enter this season. You're invited to do all of this, all as external actions that express internal affections for your resurrected Savior. When you do that, none of this is meaningless. No, they become meaningful, meaningful seasons, meaningful signs that lead us from Lent to Easter.